Hello, everybody. Hi. Welcome to another edition of the Jake Show, right? Otherwise known as the Lab Epstein Hitting Podcast. Uh, episode 82 today, uh, Mechanical Breakdown Series, Volume 19, breaking down the swing of Marcus Simeon, who was a free agent, not anymore, though. He's now with the Texas Rangers, and he really cashed in because he bet on himself. So there's a lesson in that in life. Bet on yourself, as my professionally evaluated successful business owner, former coach, friend, and co-host always does, Jake Epstein. Always betting on himself. You do. That's how you get the best out of yourself. Right. And that's what Marcus yeah. Simeon did, and that's why we're breaking oh. down his swing today, although he's not a free agent anymore, which kind of stinks. But oh, well, we're still breaking down that lovely swing that he has that produced some of the best career traditional and analytical numbers that I found on baseball savant here. You were saying something, sir. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm all wired today. No, I was just saying we can figure out if it was a good deal or not. Mm -hmm. Well, so in your thirties, you go into, you go into your thirties, you're on the wrong side of 30 and teams start to look at that as a negative, which is amazing. The dichotomy between sports and real life. It's so different, isn't it? Because when you reach your 30s, you're now you're you're still considered very young. But when you're in any other sport, you're considered on the wrong, right? The wrong side yeah, of 30 right. air quotes. All of a sudden you're an old man. Really, yeah. it really does a, a a real, real mind fuck to you and on, yeah. on a daily basis for athletes anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it is a you know, 27, 28, you're in your prime. But if you're uh, you know, an entrepreneur or a professional or you had a job you know the 20s you're still trying to figure stuff out you know and then you start to mature when you're in your 30s so Mm, um some of us do yeah yeah so be an athlete make a ton of money in your 20s and early 30s and then you can do whatever you want when you get like you always advocate for like a guy like bo bichette to retire at 35 but see he has his whole life ahead of him though at that point right what's he gonna do real estate travel but he, he spends he spent he spent a lot of time traveling for his job spend, spend, yeah but you you're, you're going to the same spot all summer long like you, you know spend time with your family that's that's tough part about being a you know a baseball player i just actually ran into when i was in texas brooks Raley, who's a reliever uh he just signed a new deal with the tampa bay rays actually mm-hmm. one of your left-handed relievers and so i was on a walk down there the other morning and I bumped into him and his kids and, you know, he was just saying, you know, the summers are summers, you know, it's nice. My kids are young and they can come hang out with me in Tampa, you know, yeah. um, this season. But, you know, as you get older, it's, you know, your kids get older, they're in high school. You don't, you don't really see your kids, you know, in the, in the summer. So those players, you know, when they get that time, if they can make hay and, and, and get out when they're somewhat young, they, they do, they get to spend more time with their, with their kids. And I think that's a big part because the summers, right? I mean, summers, kids are off in the summer, but you're working every summer, every year for, you know, 10, 15 years. And um, I think guys that get out, I mean, you you see it, not all the time, but remember LaRoche, uh, Adam LaRoche was like, you know, he wanted to bring his kid in the clubhouse and hang out with him during the summer and ended up leading to him retiring because they, they didn't, wouldn't allow for it. Um, You have guys like, um, the the player we had here in Colorado who came from Ian Desmond, you know, right. Ian Desmond's like, I'm good. I got other things that, that I want to do. So sometimes, you know, the luxury well, 2020 accelerated things. his, um, his absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, although he's still listed as a free agent, by the way, among oh, center really? fielders. Yeah. 
So I don't yeah, think he's officially think retired. He's, yeah, he, he's really into his own thing. He's got um, some charities and programs that he's heavily involved in, and I think that's great. But for guys that bloom a little bit later, mm. wait as long as you can. Are you a late bloomer? Gonna, what's that? Are you a late bloomer? <laughs> yeah, I'm a late bloomer. Still waiting for that big, big contract. That <laughs> big break, right? <laughs> Baseball break, I should say. Playing break. Um, next week, we're doing Chris Bryant. Um, that'll be uh, volume 20 of our mechanical breakdown series. Chris Bryant currently is still a free agent. There was news out there that was floated. I think last week, we didn't get a chance to touch on it, that he possibly might be coming into your neck of the woods next year, signing with the Colorado Rockies, who seemingly are interested for whatever reason in Chris Bryant. They're also interested in retaining Trevor story as well. That would make a pretty good left side of the infield. How do you think Bryant will do in Colorado though? Yeah, what? Colorado is easy place to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no media stress. There's, there's not a lot of pressure. Your team's not, you know, expected to go to the playoffs every year. Uh, you know, maybe there's the general manager thinks that, but you know, they just put a product on the field that, that competes, you know, a little bit. Um, yeah, it, it, the altitude, you know, you hit the ball goes ten percent further. Um, it's a big, it's a big field, so the gaps are big. You're gonna hit. Like if you want to have big numbers, you know, this is not a, a place to shy away from. It's a pretty good place to hit. So yeah, um, and the weather's great in the summer. You know, you don't get beat down by heat. Um, there's things to do. It's a great outdoor state. If he likes to fish or he likes to hunt, you know, a lot of guys will retire here. So I, I think he would truly enjoy being here unless he wants to, you know, be on a, a, a contender. Um, uh, unfortunately the Rockies are going to have a hard time contending in the national league West. They just, the other, the other three teams are spending a lot of money, um, you know, making their, their clubs better, you know, yeah. and, uh, yeah, the Rockies really haven't haven't done that, and so it's going to be tough to compete with the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres. It's just stuff. Yeah. You got to find, find a way to compete either in an elite farm system, or you're going to have to go out and spend money. And uh, I don't think either of those are, are really happening in the short term here in Colorado. Well, next week we're going to be breaking down Chris Bryant, and we'll do a, a retrospect sort of of his career and kind of look at the future peek into where he might sign. And of course, if Ep would sign him, I think, I think I know the answer to that. Don't say it though. Got to save it for episode 83 next week. By the way, when you were talking to Brooks Raleigh, uh, did he mention anything about the lockout? I must said lockdown, the lockout. Did he say, Hey, we're almost there. Or Hey, we're not going to play this year. Or, uh, I don't know. Or Hey, no, I don't he really <laughs> didn't go that far. Uh, you know, it was more about, um, you know, the, you know, the DH and, uh, you know, the, it just seems like everybody's making, you know, enough money that, yeah, it'll be a little bit about money, but it's a lot about the other, the other things, you know, with the, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but the DH and the expanded playoff stuff and the expanded playoff money. And not, for money it, goes. not for it, by the way. Not for it. What's that? Not for expanded playoffs. Yeah, not it's for so it. long. I don't. You know, I, I mean, if you I want just, to do a 150 game season, you know, yeah. maybe that helps out, you know, a little bit. But that's a long year for. for I don't like. Involved. I don't like this idea of everybody makes the playoffs. This particip- yeah. participation trophy playoffs. I don't like it. I think that's what 
really hinders hockey and the interest mm-hmm. in their postseason. And I think the NHL should have changed that a long time ago. And I hope baseball doesn't go that route. I hate that the NFL has done it now too, adding that extra playoff team. But at the end of the day, we all know it's about that TV money. Yeah, it is. It is. Playoffs are, are more fun to watch. The problem is, you know, football players play. I mean, hockey players don't, but football players, yeah, they play what, 17 weeks? 17, 17 seven. weeks, 18 game total yeah. schedule for the you NFL. Know, baseball players are, are playing a, 162 games. Right. Like, that's got to matter for something, right? Otherwise, play 70 games. Right? right. Because if you play all those games, you know, after a while, you figure out who the, who the better teams are, right? The, yeah. Who the top teams are. So you don't need to let a team that's 20 or 30 games behind you in the playoffs. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe they get hot or, or maybe they make a, you know, pick up at the very end and sneak in. And, and, uh, I don't know. I, I I'm not going to say it's not fair, you know, if, if you let in more teams, but that long season has to count for something. Right. Um, I mean, we had what the Dodgers and, and Giants won what 103 games each, or 102 games each, or 106 games, whatever it was. Like that, you know. It's good that the Dodgers got in. We'll put it that way. It's good that they were able to have a great season and get in because of the the wild card. Um, but adding extra rounds more than that is oof, it's rough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and on Baseball Savant, too, and, and MLB.com, they don't even have the players' faces anymore and news about the players. So, I mean, they're like not – it's like the movie The Replacements. I did see this on Baseball Savant, though, when I was doing uh, Marcus Simeon research. Alex, did you know this? Alex Rodriguez in his career, Mr. He's not clutch and he's this and he's that and he's the worst human being in, ever to live. Yeah. Did yeah. you know he hit 24 Grand Slams in his career? Wow. Pretty incredible, right? I know he played a long time. He played 20 years, but 24 grand slams in his career. Unfortunately, he didn't do it enough in the postseason, but nevertheless. And that's all anybody remembers. Right. 24 grand slams, though. It's not bad. That's a lot. I know. I have a question for you. I heard this this week, and we're going to get to a listener question, uh, and a good one, too, as it pertains to Freddie Freeman here in a moment. But I heard this term this week. Uh, Let's expand on this. This is fun. Using the term born to hit. Right. You hear scouts use it all the time and you hear some general managers use it and baseball people born to hit. What does that mean? And you hear coaches, obviously. What does that mean to you? Um, it means that when they uh, were born. Oh, God, I know where you're going. Oh, God. Now, it means guys that <sighs> they they just I mean, sometimes I see it on Twitter. I'll see like a five year old girl taking a swing and I'm like, yeah. oh, what? Like that's not normal. Born um, to hit, you know, or or little kids, you know, little boys playing wiffle ball, and you're like, huh, what? Um, yeah, born to hit. Some people find the barrel. Some people consistently find the barrel, uh, regardless of what they're thinking and regardless of what their feet do and their stances and where they hold their hands. They just they can just hit. And, and I run across those people uh, very few and far between. Um, but it's kind of neat to see really at the young ages. It's cool to see like at that 12, 13, 14, where it's like they're just starting to mature a little bit. And it's just, you know, they're just natural, natural uh, ball to, you know, stick to, to ball kind of people. Um, I had Bailey Hemphill in last, uh, the last couple of days at the lab as she gets ready for, you know, her, her Olympic tryout. And you know, she's one of, we, we were having a conversation. She's rusty, right? She doesn't, you know, 
college athletes like softball, but they, they hit every day, you know, right. they hit, you know, she's got a job, you know, she, <laughs> she's working. Mm-hmm. And so we were trying to get the rust off and stuff like that. And I said, you know what, you're just a different competitor too. When you get in the box, you know, all those extra, you know, outside influences, are, you're able to shut off r- rather easily. And some people can do that and some people can't. And, and we were going with, you know, she, she was a little rusty. So she was a little late. I mean, we had the machine cranked. I mean, if you've ever seen like softball come out of machine at 70, 72 to 74 miles an hour, it's like stupid, mm-hmm. you know, like you don't even see it. And, you know, so we're working at that velocity because, you know, uh, you know, Abbott's going to be pitching to her, you know, from, you know, releasing the ball at like 30 feet and, and throwing 72 miles an hour. And it's crazy. But, you know, at one point I was like, Hey, how about you just like, square a couple up let's not yeah. think about where your hands are and let's not think about if you're drifting or your hip or this how about you just like compete with this machine right now and all of a sudden the thoughts went away and boom it was barrel 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 and um you know obviously when you're an all-american and sec player of the year then you probably have that board to hit in right. there a little bit but yeah. i totally agree some some people are some people work to hit you know pete rose worked to hit um yeah jimmy t worked to hit yeah and still um, didn't I, work i worked to hit. i worked <laughs> to try to hit you know and um so, some people it's just it's what they're what they're supposed to do and and uh, i totally agree with that and, and, and granted what you don't know is those guys work their tails off right you know in order to do that but they they probably have a little bit better vision and uh, quicker response time, eye-hand coordination than most people. It's funny, we we have this little light system at, at the lab that we use for eye-hand coordination, how fast, you know, you have four lights and I, I had them get into their like defensive stance, you know, they're kind of crouched over ready for a ground ball. And then one light is blue and then the others are distracting lights. Right. And they have to hit them and it counts you off if you if you hit the wrong color, right? You get a minus, but how many can you get in 30 seconds? Mm-hmm. And when I look at some players that are like really explosive hitting, like they hit the ball really well, and then they come over there, it's amazing how quickly their response time is from their eyes to their brain to their hands com- compared to other people their age. And there's a, there's, you know, you, you could you call that athleticism? You know, are they better athletes because of that? I don't know, but they process information faster. And the faster they process the information, they're also processing that information of that pitch faster. Do they you do you use that with is. professional guys? Would you use that with pro guys, college guys as well? That that apparatus, that sure, vision absolutely. training, whatever it's called. Yeah, the faster you can get information from your eyes to your brain to your feet or yeah. to your hands, the faster those responders are, the better the better athlete you're going to be. I mean, if you can be a tennis player, you know, right. or you're, you're just reacting. Faster. So the I, information. I don't want to sound. I don't want to sound ignorant. What's it? What is it called exactly? Because I, I don't want to. We want to use one. There's one called uh, Fit Light. Okay, Fit, Fit Light. Light is one of them. Okay. Uh, we use a Blaze Pod is another one. So that's real um, science. Uh, that's applicable or applicable. Sure. However you say that. Sure. Word. Yeah. That's no, real I mean, science. Yeah. That's actually applicable, applicable to hitters and baseball, rather than just some word salad type science that you see on social media. Yeah, sometimes you see it at, at um, you know, strength and conditioning, speed training. You'll see them set up, you know, like a matrix, you know, of like six of these. And they got to go from one to the other, you, you know, using their feet. So you can use it as a workout. It's it's used for different things. I, I you know, we use that, you know, it depends if we want to tire them out or not. You know, usually we're, 
we're pretty tired of taking a lot of swings for an hour and a half. But mm-hmm. um, you know, we're using it for for cognitive uh, feedback and how quickly we can process information. I'm 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 not just saying this because you're my podcast partner, friend, co-host, professional evaluator, successful business owner. How you're not in, in, with a major league organization as a minor league hitting coordinator is beyond me. It's beyond me. I don't get it. Well, I think it's yeah. because that, you just came up with an innovative. That's probably why. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you may look like that kid from the Sandlot, by the way. I, I watched that with my <laughs> I mean, I, Yeah, I watched that with my dog the uh last week. Yeah. That's another good movie. Yeah, that people keeps are gonna everybody think quiet. you have bodies stored in the walls of your house. It keeps it keeps everybody quiet. The Sandlot and Home Alone. Those are two yeah. movies that I don't hear any squeaking, no dog noises, nothing. Good movies that really? we can That's put good. on and keep everybody calm. Home Alone is uh, playing in the other room of my house right now. Oh, really? Yep. It? Yeah. yeah, it's a good one. I already got my Home Alone fix for the <clears throat> holiday season. All right, let's get to our listener question here. Um, and again, by the way, where can they um, use that scientific uh, uh, piece of training? Where, where can well, they it's use all that? part of our membership training at the Lab BCS and College Station. <laughs> Holy yeah, shit! Yeah. We could, Early we could promo. We got it all going on down there. We we implemented a new program for the for the younger classes, for the elementary classes. So they hit for half the time, but then we get them out on the field and we work on footwork and playing catch and fielding ground balls and you know learning how to play different positions the right way. And uh, the kids are just totally digging it down there, and it's a it's, it's really great because sometimes you get you know eight nine year old kids you know in the younger classes and. Yeah, you can only take so many swings. So, you know, it's amazing you get kids that age and they don't know how to play first base, what what foot to use. And they, you know, they don't know where to throw the ball when they get it. So um, we've kind of added a little bit more baseball IQ to our elementary classes. And and that was a lot of fun because the weather's good there. You know, it was only like 75 every day. And people can find the lab BCS in College Station, Texas. The address 2018 Peach Creek Road, College Station, Texas, 77845. The phone number 979-985-4462. Or you can just log on to what's the I forget the website. I can't remember. It's now. so difficult. The lab BCS. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, you can just type it into Google. Boom. It's going to come up. You could, which you is can, what I just you, did. You can call us from there. You can click a link. You can view our 100% rating because we have good information and great right. instructors. And, of course, the prices wow, of we, memberships and whatnot. It's, it's uh, yeah, that, that, that group trading model is uh, so cost-effective for the player for the amount of reps and information that they get that it's, uh, it's fantastic. All right, we got our Lab BCS promo. Got it there. out. We've got one more promo at the end of the show, but that's for a different – Epstein, uh, uh, Epstein hitting uh, promo. Except for the <laughs> Epstein Children Christmas Fund. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. Let's get to our listener question. This comes to us from Mike. Oh, yeah. By the way, uh, JJ wrote us in um, and he says, Happy Holidays. So, Happy Holidays. Keeping it, keeping it easy, JJ. That's right. Uh, he said he didn't want to interrupt our mechanical breakdowns with questions. With questions. He's like, just get to it, boys. Right. Right. Can't blame him. All right. This comes to us from Mike. Don't know where he's from. That's okay. But it's from Mike and he writes Jim and Jake. I enjoy the mechanical breakdowns. Great stuff concerning Freddie Freeman's barrel dump. Could it be caused by his back leg angle? 
would more of a bend in his back leg like a younger Albert Pujols flatten out his swing? Thanks. Happy holidays. And that is from Mike. And a great, great question from Mike. Yeah, Very you're astute and observant. Good job, Mike. Thank you. So typically players that are wide base players, okay, very wide base, maybe short legs. Um, think about Justin Turner gets pretty wide. Think about uh, Albert Pujols for sure gets pretty wide. Think about, um, you know, sometimes Mickey Mantle, especially from the right side, had a much flatter swing. So the wider you are, the flatter your swing. It's just kind of how it is. Um, the more narrow you are, and the less you sit down and get closer to the ground or closer to that low pitch, the more you have to drop the barrel to get to that pitch. So, you know, you're using your hands more if you're upright to get to lower pitch. If you're taller, you're um, saying. If you're taller. Right. Freddie Freeman has super long legs. Like, he's a tall guy, but he's all legs, too. Like, he probably has a 36-inch inseam, maybe even more. So he would have to get extremely, extremely wide and able, you know, to be like – to look like a pool, right? Um, and I don't really think that's super feasible for him. But yes, typically players that are more upright, they have more room to cover between the top of the strike zone and the bottom of the strike zone, right? It's not as compact. Mm-hmm. So you're tall, you're upright, you have to find a way to cover it. So the only way you can really cover it is to, is to drop the barrel more, is to increase your bat vertical angle um, a, a little bit more to get to it where, you know, maybe somebody that's that's wider and, and, and compresses the strike zone. They don't have to do that as much. So over the years, you're used to doing that, and then that's kind of a natural move. The key for somebody like that is, is which Freddie does really well, is to be able to adjust it. Like, okay, I'm not getting pitched down anymore. I'm going to look up here. I'm going to look up my next two at-bats because eight out of the last ten pitches I've had have been fastballs at the belt or the belly button. Mm-hmm. I need to be able to keep my barrel up regardless of how wide my base is or how much I sit down on my back leg. I got to be able to control the barrel. So then he has the ability to do that and he has the right approach and he has the right mindset to do it. So um, to answer Mike's question, yes, if he sat down more mm-hmm. and he was wider, but that's not him, like that's something like that isn't going to change at this point in his career, then he would definitely limit that. You wouldn't have to have that fluctuation in your vertical bat angle as much from, say, negative 20 to negative 45. You know, somebody like Pujols is probably like negative 20 to negative 30 or negative 35. He probably only has like a 15-degree window that he has to do where somebody that's taller might have like a, you know, 25 or 30-degree window um, between their vertical bat angle. So, um, yeah, absolutely right. The more you sit down, typically the more upright your spine is and the more upright your spine is, your posture is more upright, the flatter your swing is. Really uh, this was the best. Uh, my dad used to say this all the time. This guy's the best highball hitter I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like when he came up his first 10 years or so, he never missed a high pitch. And he was just set up for it. His body was set up for it. His stance was set up for it. His swing plane was set up for it. That's what we're good at. Really quick, uh, explain vertical bat angle for the audience that, that doesn't know exactly what mm-hmm. that means. So a point of contact or, or actually through the swing, is, it's more important than actually point of contact. It's knowing mm-hmm. what it's doing prior to point of contact. But it's the amount of drop between the knob of the bat and the barrel of the bat. So if the bat's coming through like this, this is the hitter, okay, and this is the knob, and this is the end of the barrel, that would be like a zero. I mean, that doesn't happen. That would be a zero-degree vertical bat angle. And then as the barrel drops, that'd be like a negative 45 degree vertical bat angle. You kind of want to be in that negative 20, 25 degrees. 
I mean, how important is that in, in, if it, if at all, if it really, as it relates to attack angle? Very important. Yeah. It's yeah. one of the most crucial uh, pieces. Um, you know, typically a player that has a flatter attack angle, how much they're swinging up or down at contact, they'll compensate that with a vertical bat angle. You know, so they'll, they'll okay. drop their barrel. If they're not swinging up as much, they'll drop their barrel a little bit more to get to the bottom of the ball. Um, vice versa, players that swing up more, it's, it's really important to try not to have too much of a vertical bat angle. Because if you have a high attack angle and then you have a high vertical bat angle, you know, you end up slicing a lot of balls to the opposite field. So you want it to be the opposite, pretty much, kind of Typically. balance it out. Typically, they balance themselves out. So really, hmm, vertical bat angle relates more to launch angle rather than attack angle. It could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, they go together. So okay. a lot of times, for instance, um, actually, uh, probably not as much. If a player has a really big vertical bat angle, um, meaning they drop their barrel a lot, they'll have a really high, a high um, launch angle to the opposite field. Sure. But they'll have a low launch angle to the pull side because they kind of come up and around it more. Yeah. And that's the worst thing that could possibly happen as a hitter. We want to have high launch angles to the full side and lower launch angles to the opposite field. Jimbo podcast, 21 gmail.com. That's our email address. Thank you, Mike, for the email. I'm glad you brought up uh, launch angle because there's something in regards to Simeon that I want to bring up with his um, yeah. launch angle. And I think you might find this pretty interesting. A lot of actual, a lot of um, stat cast advanced batting statistics i'm looking at over here that i want to bring up to you don't forget to like subscribe to the show our youtube page live epstein hitting podcast youtube page um to watch full episodes etc etc you know the deal by now you you know what it's like everywhere it's everywhere we're like everywhere (laughs) getting there yep we're getting there we're almost there almost there um so marcus simeon Oh, and follow us on Twitter too, at Jim Tara, at Epstein Hitting, and Instagram, same handles. So that's what we're breaking down today. Mechanical Breakdown Series, Volume 19. Marcus Simeon was a free agent, not anymore. Took a one-year deal with the Toronto Blue Jays last offseason. Probably could have gotten maybe a two-year deal, but got a one-year deal and really produced. Um, but some numbers I find pretty interesting. Age 31, he was 31 in 2021. He'll be 32 in the 2022 season, if ever comes about. Um, his barrel percentage, ready for this app? I just kind of want I'm going to give you a lot of numbers here, so I hope that I know you can react, but if, I, if I'm giving too many numbers, please tell me to shut up. Do the audience a favor. Barrel percentage, 9.8%, highest of his career. Exit velocity. I like that stat. You don't like it. That's you probably don't. barrel percentage balls in play. Right. So you think it's too broad. Right. I agree. It doesn't. It doesn't. How many times did he swing and miss? That doesn't. Sure. It, that's not included in, in swing percentage. How many times did he foul balls off? That's not included. I watched some videos of Simeon today. He fouled off like four good fastballs in a row. You know, like that doesn't. That, that doesn't. That's not affected in barrel percentage. Well, strike Meaning, percentage. If is, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to go on a, a little bit of not a rant, but I'm going to expand on this. Okay. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Joey Gallo had a really high barrel percentage. Uh, are you going to keep ranting? So I, I can look it up while I while while you rant. No, I'll look it up while you're okay. doing. Um, 
I think you're probably right. And now his strike percentage was 20.2, Simeon. Mm-hmm. So his, his what? I'm sorry, strike out or no strike percentage. His K strike percentage. percentage. Okay. This according, by the way, everybody to baseballsavant.com. You know, the website without any players' faces on. Um <laughs> is his exit velocity, average exit velocity. Highest of his career, 89.8. Max Velo, 109.5, also highest, whatever. Launch angle. Now, here's what you might find fairly interesting. And this could maybe go with uh, when we look at his swing, his bat, vertical bat angle, too. Launch angle, highest of his career, 20.3. Previous high was 19.3 in 2020. That was up. About four points from uh, 2019 when it was 15.2. So what does that tell you right there? What kind of what what the launch angle? I, I don't want to put too much stress on the launch angle. I believe more in attack angle than I do launch angle. That's just me. What does that launch angle though? Climbing year to year, last two years, and hitting its peak right now of his career 20.3. What does that really tell you about his swing and the adjustments he's made? Oh, geez. It, it could be, you know, there's so many different ways to get balls in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, and it, 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 it's taking into consideration your, your misses. So he's changed his misses from ground balls to fly balls. Essentially, mm-hmm. that's, that's what he's done by changing that um, average launch angle. So is he extending lower? Some people can swing down or finish down a little bit more to stay at the bottom of the ball. Some people dump their barrel a little bit more to get to the bottom of the ball. Um, so yes, what you said with attacking or hitting the ball in the air or hitting the ball on the ground, isn't necessarily as simple as I'm going to swing up or swing down more. Right. Um, with, with players, it's, it's where you're coming into the ball, you know, and where you're finishing through it with your, with your extension. So all I'm going to say that, you know, makes sense, you know, uh, based on the numbers is his misses are now more in the air. Everybody's trying to hit line drive. Everybody's mm-hmm. trying to hit the ball 15 to 25 degrees. Okay. That's right. what everybody's trying to do. But now when he misses, he's going to miss under and he's going to miss at 40 degrees or 50 degrees in the air versus you know a ground ball at you know negative 10 degrees or negative 15 degrees so again like that that can be a skewed number because pop-ups are 50 60 degrees right and you're averaging that with maybe a negative five degree ground ball well what is that average into that averages at like what 30 degrees so uh, i don't i don't know i i just i have to watch a player um to see what they're doing uh, I'm going to go back to your boy Gallo here. Uh, sure. He was in the top three percentage of barrel, 18.1. Right. Top five in maximum exit velocity, and his average was 92.3. Would you rather have Joey Gallo or Marcus Simeon? Um, that's a joke, right? Yes. Okay. You know, I'd rather, you know how I'd Joey, rather have. Joey Gallo, <laughs> I know how you feel, but Joey Gallo is much higher in these numbers. Well, that's but my that's my point. Up. That's why, and, and I'm glad you, twice as often. I'm so glad you bring this up. Are, they're only um, bringing in balls in play. I, I guess I'm, that's, I'm, that's the, and I'm glad you brought the brought yeah. that up because that's why I I sort of want to do this exercise because last week I brought up Freddie Freeman's numbers, but that was based more so analytically off fan graphs, which I think actually has 
more to do with his swing overall in general and maybe the approach rather than say, uh, for example, I'll give you an example really quickly mm-hmm. here. So Kevin Kiermeyer, I proposed a trade for a certain team for Kevin Kiermeyer, and I made an argument as to why recently. And I said that his approach is in line based off him hitting the ball back up the box in the up the middle, his pull percentage and his oppo percentage. Mm-hmm. That told me a little bit about his approach and that he just and his to role. At, right. And he needs to tweak certain things, maybe mechanically. I'm not going to get into those things because mm-hmm. it's going to take too long. Now, with the things that we mentioned here with Simeon, again, I'm more of an attack angle than launch angle guy. That's fine. Right. Some people will disagree. But the launch angle to me, how much does that really tell you and and dictate how good of a year Simeon really, really had? I don't think it really does. I think that I, in this case, when you look at I his might numbers, not be smart enough, but I, I think when you look at his numbers traditionally, they'll tell you 173 hits, 45 home runs, 102 RBIs, OPS of 873, on base of 334, weighted on base of 368. And I don't have his isolated power in front of me, but the isolated power certainly is going to be well above average, probably around 240, 250. That tells you how good of a year Simeon and it, it backs up yeah. what he really did this year. Yeah, no, he had a, he had a great year. I, I just, you know, there's, there's algorithms, right? You, you yeah. can, you, you don't just look at average launch angle. Right. You right. don't just look at, you know, barrel average. There, there's other things you put together, but some people do. And I, I think you have to be smart and kind of understand what those numbers are. If you're going to talk about numbers or you just say, look, this guy hit 45 home runs or whatever he hit last year. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you hit? 280, 270? I mean, 265. You know, he drove. What's that? 265. 265. Yeah, he drove mm-hmm. in runs. He scored a lot of runs. He was in a really good lineup and he was in a good park to hit. So, you know, is, was this an anomaly kind of year for him? Um, I don't know. Only, only time will tell. I, I will say, you know, we'll look at his swing. And I looked at a couple different things. I did want to ask you something. Again, I couldn't pull as many swings as I wanted to today. But did he... Before you ask, before you ask may I just bring up another statistic? I might forget, Jim. All right, you ask first then. No, no, go ahead. All right. Don't mind forget that. I, I don't know how... Mm, I don't know how... I wish, you know what? Hold on. Let me do a quick math here. Nine, this is quick math. Hold on. Said no one. Okay. All right. So last year, Simeon saw, and this is according to Baseball Savant, so I don't know. You can take it for what it's worth. It's a good website. I like it. Mm-hmm. I always read it, but. Yeah, I like it. We did an episode on it too for those listening and watching. So oh, go back long time ago. Go back in the archives. It's like almost two years ago at this point. One thousand six hundred fourteen fastballs Simeon saw in two thousand and twenty-one. I did the math. Breaking balls off speed in total. He saw one thousand. I'm sorry. I can't read the. Okay, so break. Okay, so breaking balls and off speed in total. He saw 1,262. So he saw more fastballs than he did. That's to your point in the lineup he was in. He saw more fastballs in 2021. Second most, third most in his career. Behind 2019 and 2016. Got a lot of fastballs. 
You got a lot of fastballs? Yeah, but, I mean, you still got to hit them. Yeah. And you still got to lay off the breaking balls. Right. Still got a lot of breaking balls. Um, and he was in the, the but key, you know. to your point, though, about the lineup he was in, too, he got, he had a lot of protection. And he saw a lot of, got a chance to see a lot of fastballs. He was hitting behind yeah. an MVP. For sure. Oh, he absolutely MVP. had a much better, yeah, a much better lineup last year than he had his entire career. So, right. you know, how is that going to, going to come through when he's going to be the dude i guess they got other dudes they have one other dude um two other Texas. dudes who's the other dude oh, i'm not going to tell you we did a, we did a mechanical breakdown series oh are you, are you talking about the blue jays or the rangers the rangers oh okay they got one dude <laughs> they got Seager. I, I don't know anything about the rangers unfortunately i don't dig into that a little bit more but right, you right. know he's gonna be the guy you know he yeah. and Seager's the guy um hopefully Seager stays healthy you know and and then it's not just Simeon in there I think it'd be awesome if they got Trevor Story to throw in there too that'd be a pretty sweet offensive offensive lineup in there with some speed so um yeah I I, I think what what what's his what was his contract Simeon's contract what did it come uh, out with? shit four years no I think it was I think it was like might have been five Oh really? Yeah. For for whatever reason, when I was doing some prep prep for the show today, <laughs> I uh, um hold on, I gotta look. Uh, I thought he signed a ten year deal. Well, I oh, was, yeah, I was you that one. one a, a seven year one seventy five. Wow. So so I said somebody the other day. I said Bryant, Chris Bryant should be should get probably five over. 100 plus i mean chris bryant should probably get like seven i was i'm probably wrong i'll probably shortchange him because he's flexible defensively too he's very flexible defensively yeah. well some of it is too so many can play some other positions. right right so i think i'm uh, thinking maybe maybe for bryant but, it should be like seven over like 200 million but anyway go ahead yeah. i'm sorry no what i was going to say earlier was how did simeon finish last is that your year? question I, yeah that's okay. my question like Hold on. what was the last so his swing looked a little bit different early in the year um, versus later in the year. Like when they were in, when they were in Florida, it seemed like it was a little bit, Tampa Bay. a little bit flatter, a little bit more extension right. where later in the year, it looked like he was swinging up a little bit more and um you know, kind of had a little bit more barrel drop and, and less extension out in front. So okay. this one, here's a, the swing we're going to look at, the cool swing, because it's well, a breaking on, ball. Well, hold on, I want to answer your question. Yeah, 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 I don't want to rush you. This, I wanna, I'm you can to... edit. We can always edit this. I'm not ending shit. You can uh, edit. I'm just kidding. Um, okay. I'm, the home and away splits, by the way, I'm not really counting because they didn't really, they weren't really home. No, I just mean the last yeah. like six um, weeks of the season. Does it okay. break up? So he hit between April and March, he hit 211. In May, he hit 368. Right. June hit 264. July, 239. August, 237. September, October, 260. But there was a lull in there between, I guess, a stretch. Yeah. I don't know. I'd say like probably a four-week stretch, uh, if you want, however much weight you put in batting average between July and August, maybe where he dipped just a little bit. And that's probably why his batting average came out to where it did at 265. Yeah, because the part where I, I really liked where his swing was, they were playing in 
Dunedin or I don't know. Where is the, where's your, oh, it's at Tampa, the spring Dunedin. training complex. Dunedin. Dunedin. Yeah. Anyway, he was hot. Like right. he was so hot. He was hitting doubles, home runs, like everything left center, right center, hitting it high. Hitting it like he was all over the place. So um, it was really great. And then late in the year, but again, it was, it was whatever, you know, I, I don't know how late in the year, you know, he's, he changed, but as a hitting coach, I guess that's what you have to really, you know, a good hitting coach should see that trend. You know, here's where you are. I, I've said this before, Dave Winfield. Oh, was it Dave Winfield? No, I don't know. I think it was Dave Winfield. He used to, he used to videotape himself when he was in a hot streak, like mm -hmm. talking to the camera. Hey, Dave, you know, this is what I'm feeling today. Mm -hmm. I feel like my hands are here. My feet are here. I'm looking for this pitch. Um, and, and then he would archive all those stuff. So all the, all those things. So when he would go into a slump and he wasn't hitting well, he would start playing those and try to get that feel back, you know, whatever mm -hmm. he was thinking about when he was in a hot streak. Well, that's what a good hitting coach does. Is, you know, let's see what your, you know, your approach is right now. Like, where's your barrel? Where's your extension point? You know, where's your timing? Where's everything? And then maybe that four week stretch where he was hitting 211, you know, maybe that four week stretch was a two week stretch. You know, and, and that's that's where a good hitting coach comes in and having that relationship with the player is um, let's figure out, you know, not yes, we know we know you're hitting the ball well. Like, you know, my mom could tell that you're hitting the ball well right now, but <laughs> why are you not hitting the ball well here? You know, there's there's different things and, and, and making it simple for that player to come out. But uh, anyway, getting getting back to his swing, I, I see different um, I see different moves, which is good. I always like to see different moves, you know. I like to see when guys get fooled. How do they save their swing when they're fooled on a breaking pitch and they're not looking for a breaking pitch? Like to me, that that says a lot. Um, mm -hmm. You know, are they trying to change their approach? Like late in the year, was he trying to get under balls a little bit more? You know, versus being a line drive gap hitter. So, you know, it, it kind of depends. So, uh, do you have anything else, or do you want me to get after this analysis here? No, I'm good. Ready? We're gonna get after it in three, two, <laughs> one. Go. Here we go. All right. So we got uh, Marcus Simeon here in the greatest uniform ever the blue jays the old light blues we love it so this was a slider just so you know so he was a little bit out in front and if we look at where he made contact holy cow that is way out in front that is how you save swings when you're able to be that early now granted it's going to look more out in front because of the angle this is taken from slightly behind the batter okay it was hard to find a perfect side view but Regardless, this is well out in front of his front foot. It's a breaking ball, and the catcher is kind of reaching out. So it's not like an inside breaking ball. You know, it's probably center cut. Um, you know, maybe a ball, maybe ball, you know, four or five out there towards the outside part of the plate. But he's able to launch that. So what's cool about this, let's talk about contact. We, we talk about launch angle, right? We talked about how he's hitting the ball um, – you know, his, his average launch angle was 20 something degrees, right? It was a little bit higher. So I'm going to draw a line on the trajectory of this pitch from this angle. So you can see it's closer to nine degrees, right? Our fastballs are usually around four degrees. Okay. But where does his barrel go? Notice how his barrel goes just slightly underneath. So one, one frame before contact, I'm going to put a circle on where his barrel is and you can see it's barely underneath. Now that location is a pretty good place to make contact on a breaking ball or a fastball, you know, hitting it closer to your front foot. If it's middle away, like he's not on plane there, but he could be on plane there. Okay. 
So this would be, you know, where he's exposed a little bit. However, in the next frame, he comes up slightly. And I'll put a number on that. From that dot to contact, he swung up at uh, 15 degrees, got the bottom half of the ball, and then that ball launched it. Good Lord, it's so high. It was probably 35 to 36 degrees off the bat. Okay? So he came from underneath. This is more of a true power hitters, but it's slight. A true power hitters approach where that barrel gets a little bit underneath the pitch plane, which you want it to do a little bit. And then he comes back up. But the cool part is, as he comes back up, he extends through. So look at his extension point. This is so good. So this is a guy that, this is why you don't have to swing up that much um, to hit balls in the air. His right hand and his barrel are actually facing down. And his right palm is still up. So that barrel is still below his hand. Now, if he would have got back here to this frame and flipped his wrist over, his barrel would have gone up like that. Okay. And then what would happen? He would end up top spinning that to the pull side. So this is a great example of, hey, if you swing up too much at contact, he could have hit a two hopper to the third baseman. But because he stayed flat, he didn't swing down. Don't, don't get me wrong there. Like he's just swinging up less. Um, but a lot of people that far out in front are going to be 20 degrees or more um, with their attack angle. And he was only at 15 that far out in front. That's really good. So now if this was a fastball, okay, there's a fastball coming in. Now it's not, so, you know, don't get upset. But if it was a fastball, that ball is only going to drop, say, four degrees at that level. Okay, so it would be on this plane. And you could see he would be exposed even more. Now if you look at where his barrel is here, okay, he would be exposed more. Maybe that's why he got more fastballs this year. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Nobody knows except for the people that were calling the pitches. Okay. So when I look at his swing um, and I see things like, like this, even though it was a breaking ball, it's a really nice swing on a breaking ball. But I, I don't know if this is a sustainable swing. I, I don't know if this is a sustainable guy for seven years that's going to hit more than 30 home runs a year. Why do you say that? That's going to hit over 260. I'm not sure. It might be. But for seven years, for three years, no brainer. For seven years, because what happens is you got to be, you have to have elite quickness to make these little adjustments. When, you're, when your swing's on, and we're looking at one swing here, by the way. Okay, So I'm judging all of this on one swing, which you should never do. Uh, but based on this swing, and some of the other swings that I did see on, on, uh, on the internet, you know, there, there is, um, there are holes in this swing and there's holes in everybody's swing. You know, there's holes, there's not holes in like five guys swings in major league baseball. Okay. So, and me, there's no holes in my, ever in my yeah, swing. Okay. But breaking this swing down fundamentally. Okay. Fundamentally, I'm going to bring him from, it's excellent by the way, from stride to toe touch. Okay. Just so good. Front, front shoulder is still down. Knob is still kind of back towards the catcher. He's still got sep good separation between his elbows and forearms here. I bring him to heel plant. Front shoulder is still down. Hands are still back. Top of the top hand is at the ear. Back shoulder is still up. There's a gap. There's an opening here between his elbow and his ribs. Then when he goes to rotate, watch how quiet his elbows are. We talked about this a lot, right? Okay, as he rotates, you know, there's still good separation between these elbows and forearms. Okay, the bat, this is what I really like. This bat stays up, kind of 
by his ear. Okay. There's no dump in this swing. There's no dump. That's what I like about this swing is he may have been underneath this pitch, but he didn't dump the barrel to get underneath it. Okay. There wasn't any mechanical issue that caused him to go underneath it. He just kind of got underneath it. Maybe because his mindset is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get under pitches, which is maybe why his, uh, um, his, his average attack angle was so much higher this year. Maybe that was his thought process. If I miss, I'm going to foul it back. And he did. I, I looked at a few at-bats today. And he, he fouled a lot of fastballs back, you know, this year. If you go back and see it, I'm sure he did because he was just trying to get under stuff. So what is the key to good hitting? Hey, I'm getting fastballs. I'm fouling them off. Maybe he goes into a slump, right, where he had a rough month. And he's like, you know what? I got to, instead of my barrel coming in this way to this pitch, I'm, I'm drawing lines now, Jim. I know you, you can't see them yet, but instead of having a plane that looks like that, maybe his plane comes in a little shallower, like this, and like this, and like that. Okay. And then all of a sudden, instead of having a rough couple weeks or a rough couple months of fouling off good pitches, now he's hitting the line drives back to the middle. Maybe now he's hitting line drives in the right center. And then he's feeling good about himself. And then all of a sudden we can start hitting for more power again. That's the old adage. Oh, you're in a slump. Take you back through the middle. Right? That sounds stupid in today's age, right? It does. Like people don't do that anymore. But why did that get you out of slumps? Because it simplified everything. Because you weren't trying to overswing and drive balls out of the park. You were just trying to control the barrel to hit a line drive back through the middle. And probably by doing that, you made this automatic little swing adjustment between the top plane I drew here and the bottom. The bottom plane is the one he's on. Okay. May have come in a little bit back here. I may have goofed a little bit, but you can see he drops down to that other arrow. If he would have stayed up from, from this arrow to that arrow, okay, I'll just kind of draw it like that. If he would have, if he would have flattened off that one frame, he likely would have um, minimized his slump just a little bit more. Okay. So Again, that's kind of a lot of information and, and little things, but uh, the moral of the story is the guy's got a good swing. He's got a good path and great extension. His front knee didn't straighten out here probably because he was out in front, right? We talked about that. He was out in front a little bit um, on this breaking ball. How cool is it to be out in front a little bit on a breaking ball and still hit a home run? Okay, that's why extension without, you know, adjusting the barrel too much, without flipping, you know, or having a, a, a right-hand connection is so very important. So a couple of things I noticed um, and the body types are different and maybe it's the angle that where this, at which this clip is taken, but Simeon through the point of contact through extension and then his finish very, very similar to Jose Abreu. Yeah. Notice that. Yeah. And I like Abreu too. Yeah. The, the, the extension and the high finish, as you mentioned, alluded to earlier, very, very similar. Yeah. Also, too, this pitch misses by a lot. You can see the catcher's mitt. Catcher, yeah. the way the mitt is set up, he, he's sweeping it up to try to bring it back up to the bottom of the zone. That's where he's expecting it. And, I mean, it was missed like bell high, that pitch. Right. Bad pitch. And, and that's, yeah, if that's a slider at the, at the bottom of the knees, it's a different story. But, you know, we get mistakes. Again, that's the key to good hitting is capitalizing on the pitches you get to hit. Not fouling them off, not taking them, not rolling over them, not popping them up. And that's great hitting right there. You know, he may have had two strikes on him, right? Fouled off a couple of pitches, then he got a slider. The guy didn't make a good pitch on it. 
saved his whole bat, gave him a nice game. Maybe put a couple runs on the board. Oh, I lost Jim. Do you know that your audio is off right now? Yeah, we're good. Okay, there you are. Yeah. The whole show almost. We can edit that. Yeah. You have anything else on Simeon? You can keep talking as I try to reset. <laughs> uh, Simeon, I, I I like him. I like him as a a, a flexible fielder. He's a good athlete. Um, you know, if, if I were playing GM, which I know that question is coming, you know, because you made fun of me last time, Jake, would you just sign all the free agents? I'm not sure I would um, have have made a seven-year deal for, for that amount of money to, um, to Marcus Simeon, even though I really like him. But I think I would have given him a, a, a four-year deal and maybe thrown him an extra million, you know, a year or something like that. Now, I'm sure a lot of teams tried to do that. And, and the Rangers are like, we need players. And um, I, I think they overpaid for this one, in, in my opinion. And um, that's why I'm, I'm here and I'm not uh, a general manager. But I might be right here. All right. Well, hopefully people can hear me. Yep. Not, okay. My microphone. And is, you're not yellow. You look great. My microphone's apparently broken or something's wrong. Yeah. All righty. Um, so next week we are discussing uh, good, good job on that. By the way, we're discussing Chris Bryant as swing mechanical breakdown series, volume 20. He is still left on the board. Very flexible defensively as well. Chris Bryant. Yeah. We're gonna we're putting him as a third baseman though. Okay. That's, that's next week. But he yeah. could play left field. He could play first base. He could be a DH. Whoa. Right. And that's he's next week. Younger. How old is? Wow. Well, I don't want to. Know. He's twenty nine. Yeah, he's young. Yeah. He's under thirty. Under thirty. Yeah. All right. Give me some more info about um, Epstein's Online Hitting Academy, please, before we let everybody go. Well, it's the Christmas gift that keeps on giving, Jim. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and? <laughs> no, I got to catch up. So my apologies for all the online, all my Epstein Online Hitting members. Uh, I, I was very, very busy in Texas the last week, so I haven't had a chance to do them in the last couple of days, but I will get them done. You probably actually got them by the time this podcast airs. But, um, Yes, Online Academy is awesome. Like, I got a drill library of, geez, 80, 100 videos in there. Some are drilled, some are, you know, hit big league hitters that you, you can kind of look at and scrub through and see in slow motion and compare to yourself. And um, essentially what you do is you video yourself doing the uh, during your game. I do a full review, kind of like I just did on Marcus Simeon, um, where I can check your timing, your rhythm, your mechanics. And then from there, we create a plan uh, every week for you to do, which drills to do, which drills to work on uh, to improve your swing. That's how it works. So EpsteinOnlineAcademy.com or just bingo. go to EpsteinHitting.com. Bingo. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening, watching, and we will talk to you next week. Chris Bryant, Canada Breakdown Series, Volume 20. Take care.